racing and preview what's ahead with exclusive guest interviews and even spotlights of racing-related ventures in the Rutgers community. Motorsports Today, Tuesdays from 5 to 6 on 88.7 FM and at WRSU.org. Biggity, biggity, biggity. Let's go racing, boys! On the air at 88.7 FM and online at WRSU.org. This is WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. Welcome to the WRSU crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Here on a Monday after a big weekend for Rutgers Hoops, the men and the women with big wins over the weekend. And we'll start here with the men, Dennis Geisler, Jack Rabenhorst, Joe Henry, Christian Vasquez, here with you on your Monday evening on Saturday, Rutgers men's basketball with a 61-55 win over the Michigan State Spartans at Madison Square Garden. A huge win on national television. It was on Fox. Uh, also on here. We covered it. Me and Christian. Uh, but guys, uh, what did you think of that win? Uh, struggled a little, a little bit early on, especially towards the end of that first half. Had a really bad shooting night towards the beginning of that game. But really cleaned it up later on. Paul Mulcahy, he hit a couple of big shots and got to the line really well. How do you guys feel it went overall? Well, look, it was a horrible first half, to say the least. Very bad. Like, pitiful, rather. I mean, they only trailed by six. Yeah, trailed you by six, but both teams that, played horribly. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where it's, it's like you could, that you could argue that the defenses played really well. Yeah, it was just bad shooting. shooting. Bad yeah. shooting. They could have had way more. I don't know exactly how many shots each team had in the fir- end of the first half, but they were shooting bad. I remember mm-hmm. I was doing production with uh, Jake Maystel for that game, and I think Rutgers was six for 29. From yeah, the field a lot goal, of it was something like that, and then yeah, Michigan, it was awful. Michigan State was twelve for twenty nine. It was something. It was something ridiculous. Something bad. I got the stats right here. It's uh, so Rutgers shot uh, eighteen from forty eight or eight, eighteen out of forty eight from the floor, three of sixteen from three, <clears throat> and then um, Michigan State shot twenty of fifty eight. So around the same like thirty. And we could not make a free throw. Line. Perc- I don't know the exact percentage, but it was bad. Sixty-four percent from free throw. For yeah. for the for the for, for the well, half comparison, well. Rutgers shot twenty-four percent from the floor in the first half, <sighs> one for ten from the three-point line, and then Michigan State did not do a whole lot better. They were thirty-seven percent from the floor, so they were getting they they kind of got those last couple of shots to fall, but. In yeah, general, they, get, they went on the six-hole run before the end of the half. Yeah, they did, and that's kind of what saved them in the uh, the, the half by end, half. Yeah. But I also think they're really. I, I thought Michigan's or Rutgers got a, really lucky that Michigan State wasn't really firing on all, all cylinders that day, or we would have lost that game mm-hmm. handily. We I mean, admittedly, lost. Michigan State is a bit like Rutgers, much better defensively than offensively. Yeah, I think they're a bit better offensively and a bit worse defensively, obviously, because Rutgers is one of the best defensive teams in the country, but 
even still, I think this was at least relatively easy to anticipate. And, I mean, it's Pikeball. You keep the other team under 65, you win the game. Yeah. That's what he's done his entire time at Rutgers and did it again against Michigan State. So, I mean, credit where it's due. He keeps winning those games like that. Yeah, those are the games you need to win. Those gritty, super close ones. Especially in a big defensive game when both teams can't really make a shot. Yeah, I think it was almost like, like you keep saying, like a, a pike or like a classic Rutgers win. And one thing that really stuck out to me was, so in the first half, like obviously both teams were shooting horrendously from the field. Michigan State outscored Rutgers 25-19. to 19. But in the second half, Michigan State kind of kept doing their thing. They scored like five extra points, so they scored 30 in the second half. But Rutgers scored 42 in the second period compared to 19 in the first. And I think that really just speaks to, it's not that Rutgers has inconsistent offense but they've got average offense but in some points of some games when certain players just go off like Paul did their offense turns into really really exceptional like what Paul did in that second period is one of the best offensive performances I've seen from the team all season like he was unstoppable he was doing all the things that a point guard has to do he was driving into the lane he was getting the fouls. He was in the free throws. He was moving it around. It was a fantastic job. I think 42 points in the second period is shocking from this team when you consider how the game was going against the Big Ten defense. But I think they just did a fantastic job. Yeah, and I think another really important thing to mention is that Rutgers was really not good at the free throw line. Yeah. Uh, they didn't get a whole lot of free throw opportunities in the first half, but both teams went to the line way more in the second half. There were just way more fouls in general. And Rutgers shot uh, 65% overall. They shot 18 for 27 in the second half. Paul missed uh, four of his 12. Cam Spencer missed one. Uh, Kayla McConnell missed three of his seven. Like, there were just a lot of free throw misses yesterday. And, I mean, we've seen this team in previous years be pretty bad at the free throw line. But when you consider they left 12 points on the board due to free throws missed, I mean, bump that number up to 80% and you're looking at a double-digit win instead of a six-point win. But regardless, it definitely... uh, I I don't know what that necessarily says, if it's better or worse for the team that they missed so many free throws and yet still won the game with a fairly solid lead in the final minutes that they did not feel, at least in the last two, three minutes, that they didn't feel likely to lose. I think it's super encouraging when you think about the fact that this Michigan State team handled them a few weeks ago. That's true as well. Like 70 to 57. So for Rutgers to come out and put on really a defensive clinic in the first and second period, I mean, the offense was abysmal in the first, so you didn't expect to really have a lead because of that, but they played super well defensively. And then to just explode offensively in the second period, they did a fantastic job. I think it's something we didn't see with Iowa, and we talked about this last week on Crew. The Iowa team, it feels like, is a bad matchup for Rutgers right now. They just can't do a good job of stopping them and scoring on them. But with this Michigan State team, what's really promising is the fact that you don't get swept by your second Big Ten opponent. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good thing that you're coming against this team and you're getting a pretty dominating win when you bring up the free throws because they should have beat them by significantly more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, even on top of that, they missed, uh, I mean, Cliff Amore missed a dunk. They weren't super solid at the rim. They got a bunch of shots blocked. Uh, From mid-range, they were pretty terrible. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers here. They were 2 for 12 from mid-range 
all of uh, Saturday. And, yeah, overall, it's just there was a lot that they could have done much better. Although, the thing that I will say about some of this is a caveat. Um, Watt Mag did not play most of that game. He played yeah. 11 minutes before getting injured. I don't know if any of you have an any any update on his injury i haven't heard anything i haven't heard anything yeah, either pikel's kept it pretty under wraps pikel does like doing that yeah he was he was going to get it checked out today surely mm-hmm. if something catastrophic happened we would have known but yeah at this point i'd imagine he would have gone for those tests pretty quickly i would imagine so i mean it might end up being game to game for the upcoming couple yeah hopefully. weeks but we'll because they rallied without him they yeah. they certainly did. Although at the, the same first, time, he with had him, seven of the first. Yeah, 13. I was gonna say with him they had a lead. He was yeah. definitely firing on all cylinders. He was gonna have a good game early in the game. Yeah, and if he did keep playing, we don't know what would have happened. But he got hard fouled and landed wrong. That's yeah. the thing mm-hmm. too. Apparently, Pykele just said he's gonna be out for a bit. So he, he's pulling a little Shiano record. Yeah, I was gonna tactic. say a bit. Thank you. <laughs> like with the upper <laughs> body bit, injury. But I'd, I'd imagine mm-hmm. he's not playing tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course yeah, not. Yeah, and I guess at, at this point, I mean, do we, do we have anything more to say about this Michigan State game? That was a really fun environment just, at Madison think, Square Garden, yeah, it was, I yeah, want to nice say. Job, there was 14,000 people there. Yeah, and yeah. I would say, I mean, there were definitely conflicting reports of how many Michigan State fans were there, and also we couldn't see who was directly under us. Uh, yeah, sl- probably slightly green, but Yeah, but I, I would still probably it. say like three-quarters Rutgers Good fans. Um, for a game as big as this is uh, pretty exciting and definitely I mean we're looking at it and obviously we're a bit down the line from this but there's a decent chance that Rutgers will play their NCAA tournament games in Albany that is also a not ridiculous trip for Rutgers fans to get to to make that an equally exciting home environment yeah not it's how long would that be like five hours depends on where that arena is yeah, I, I don't know exactly. I don't know where it's it would about. Be it's about five hours. Yeah, I have family up there. Yeah, it's about yeah. five hours or so. That's not bad. A lot of people can make that trip. Mm-hmm. Better than Sacramento. Yeah, better than Sacramento or like even mm-hmm. down south in like Birmingham. Col- I do want to touch. <laughs> I do want to touch real quick on um, Caleb McConnell. Mm-hmm. Uh, four steals in that game, which is a yeah. highlight of what their defense was doing all night. Eight steals total. Um, but really, I mean, he's I think on the Rutgers men's basketball uh, Instagram they shouted him out and said that he's now third all-time in Rutgers program history in steals Mm -hmm. so he's you know he's making a really big statement for himself defensively um, you know coming off the Big Ten defensive player of the year and just really killing it Um, and he was you know one of the reasons as part of that five-man crew that keeps him in those games and really keeps the that that score that I think it was like they average 50 something points a game mm-hmm. or the like the other team they only allow 50 something points per game and that's like unheard of in mm-hmm. in college basketball sometimes so yeah and I, I think on top of that something even apart from the steals in the game uh yesterday was i believe he was matched up with malik hall for most of the game malik hall did nothing offensively they didn't do anything. uh he got four points, and Malik Hall, he did not start the game, but he is one of the stars for this Michigan State team. He played uh, 26 minutes, too. He played 26 minutes. He played solid time. He got plenty of usage. Uh, I mean, his, his usage was technically at the top of the team. Uh, he rebounded really well, uh, especially yeah. defensively. Uh, pulled down a couple offensive rebounds as well, but like when he was forced to take a shot or do really anything yeah. on the offensive side... 
Caleb McConnell was all over him, and that was a huge part of why Rutgers won, is keeping the other team's star basically to nothing for the entire game. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a fan in the... Um... The blanket, yeah, yeah the bl- with the nickname the blanket, which I think is a pretty good one because he likes know, it. He mm-hmm. retweeted. That. Yeah, he's not exactly blowing up the stats uh, offensively, but he is doing a fantastic job defensively, just holding everybody down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it ends up looking invisible when you look at the stat sheet later. But then, I mean, y- you look at the other team's star and you're like, how did they score so poorly in this game? And I mean, that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, that's the, like a hallmark of a great Pykel team is like mm-hmm. a great defensive guy. And it's the same thing with. Mag, and you know, obviously, we hope he feels better, takes his time coming back. Mm-hmm. But the thing about this team is, a lot of basketball teams they can score prolifically, they'll get into a lot of shootouts and lose them. But I think that about this Rutgers team is the defense is so strong, and they've got so many great defensive players and guys who are offensive players. But Pykel has coached them to the point where they can really excel defensively. That you go into every game feeling like there's a chance that the defense really can go head to head with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's kind of kind of the exciting part of this team, especially as we get into tournament time, is we know this team can contend with basically anyone if they can keep them limited on the offensive side of the ball. Like even against Michigan State, they opened with a bad shooting night, but they kept the game within six at the half. They didn't get blown out by their bad shooting early on, getting a bunch of blocks like any of that. They were able to just hunker down and go, okay, we'll win this game in the second half, and they did, and they went out and won the game in the second half. Yeah, I want to shout. Out, I want to shout out Rutgers to. Uh, be, so because of that win, Rutgers is now ranked again. Yes, uh, back they, up to twenty fourth. Yeah, back up to twenty fourth. So just under where we were at twenty three uh, for a couple days in January, um, but some new additions behind uh, Creighton and San Diego State. Uh, but Rutgers is right there with them and. You know, being ranked twice during the year, not like super high, but just being ranked in that 25 top, uh, AP poll um, speaks volumes to what people around, not just Rutgers fans in general, but to what people see in Rutgers, the potential um, and just the future of this program going forward, how they're really going to excel and be one of those top teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's exciting. And honestly, I'm I'm more interested in seeing what happens because... At the end of the day, I don't care that much about the AP poll because we're, we have the net, <laughs> and yeah. I care. I I feel like I care more about the net and like the efficiency metrics because that's what's going to matter when tournament time comes around. AP poll is fun, and I like being ranked, and I like being higher ranked, and it makes it convenient if I need to look up the Rutgers score and they're ranked, so I'm just able to like stay on the main tab. Yeah, it's but... nice for ESPN. Like, yeah, it's just ESPN really convenient. Okay, ESPN open letter. Uh, have a way to look at college basketball scores that isn't every single team in division one or just the top 25 like maybe something that that includes like like and, and you have someone on your staff who does bracketology so just have teams currently in the tournament and like bubble teams like the other bubble teams that he mentions and that's it, like, so that I don't have to scroll through Eastern Mississippi State <laughs> as I'm trying to find, like, interesting games to look at just on a regular basis. Because, like, maybe I want to know what Arizona State or the College of Charleston are up to this season or Nevada or something like that. But I don't want to have to scroll through uh, St. Uh, something of Nowheresville. 
<laughs> UT Arlington or Hartford having to do any of this. So uh, open letter, please fix that, uh, ESPN, because this is really annoying. And I know you can. I know you can fix it. Just make it slightly easier to read. Will they do it? They won't. They'll never do it. I, I know they're listening, but they'll never do it. Um, they're scared. Speaking of the upcoming schedule, uh, we can kind of speak about that a little bit. This is probably, in terms of the overall level of competition, probably their hardest week all season. Yeah. They have Indiana on the road. They're a ranked team now, or they've been a ranked team, but they just knocked off Purdue at home to rise up a couple spots now, yeah. to 18. And Illinois, who is kind of been on the fringes of being ranked for a while. They're still receiving votes, but another tough road game. Okay, so some, something I want to go into first for the rest of the season for Rutgers. So let's disregard these next two games and look at the entire rest of the schedule. They have Nebraska at home, Minnesota on the road, Northwestern at home, and Michigan at home. I would say all four of those games are pretty easy wins. Yeah. Uh, I don't really foresee Rutgers losing any of them. Bart Torvik says that uh, Rutgers is at least an 80% chance of winning all of those. And right now, Bart Torvik's actually the advanced metric that is lowest on Rutgers. So I would at least anticipate Rutgers will be able to win all of those. They also have road trips to Wisconsin and Penn State. Uh, Wisconsin, not that good, but a road trip in the Big Ten is a road trip in the Big Ten. And Penn State, who... They beat earlier in the season by yeah. a pretty significant margin, pretty restrictive defense. But again, a road trip in the Big Ten is a road trip in the Big Ten. So pessimistically, we'll say they split those, I think is a fair enough thing to say. That would put Rutgers, disregarding the next two games entirely, at 13 wins in the Big Ten on the season. That's pretty amazing. 13 wins in the Big Ten is really good. Uh that definitely constitutes a definite higher seeding come tournament time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and without a ton of total disaster in out-of-conference play, uh, and that is not counting, they would have 14 wins if the referees did their job against Ohio State. Um, yeah. 14 wins in the Big Ten is ridiculous. That's really good. That can win the Big Ten occasionally. If there's not a team like Purdue, 14 wins in the Big Ten is just ridiculously good. So, I feel like in the case that these next two games for Rutgers don't go the best, we have to keep in mind that assuming that they don't totally spiral for the rest of the season, yeah, you assume this is still going to be a historically good season for this program as a whole, and just a very good season of college basketball for the team. Oh, yeah. With that said, this is going to be a tough couple of games. It is going to be a tough couple Indiana, of games. Indiana, I mean, we, we've owned Indiana for a while. For and a while. I know that that's going to be a talking point it going into it. It is a tough it. environment, though. Assembly Hall is a really tough environment, yeah. and this team is really talented. They didn't have, um, oh, what's his name last time? Jalen hood Shafino. Yeah, they, um, they didn't have him last time they played Rutgers, and he is a very different player yeah. to have to play against. Uh, the defense obviously really handled Trace Jackson Davis, but if there's more shooting surrounding him, it's unclear exactly how that'll go. Yeah, they might he be. Ball him out. Re- recently, mm-hmm. he's been on a tear. 
And you might ordinarily say, well, they might be on a hangover from Purdue. But you know that Indiana wants to beat Rutgers. They want to beat They us, really okay. want to beat every Rutgers. Sport, every yeah, we, sport. Every sport. We really know. torment their fans, honestly. Like, like it's, at, it's bad. At this, like, at, at, I would say the players even more than the fans somehow. Because, I mean, I remember M- Mike Woodson basically said they get an hour to celebrate, and then we're focusing on Rutgers. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is, yeah. like, looking forward to this. This is probably the last time he'll get to play Rutgers, yeah, and he, he has wants never beaten Rutgers. He wants to win. So he really wants to win. <laughs> and he wants to put on a performance, too. Because mm-hmm. he's even putting up 35 points against some Big Ten yeah. teams, and then Rutgers comes, and mm-hmm. he can't do anything. It's like Peichel just understands the makeup of their team so yeah, well. So, mm-hmm. And they're right. Like, he really – it's like we always say, like, bad matchup, bad matchup. Like, Indiana's got all the talent in the world, but once those uh, Scarlet Knights come to town, they just mm-hmm. never seem to be able to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they do have Illinois. That one, slightly easier team, slightly worse home environment. The State Farm Center is still really nice. I saw the oh, yeah. entry in, lobby of it one time. In Champaign? Yeah. Oh, be- beautiful arena. i mean the arena is great but the actual environment itself oh, yeah, the environment is, itself is fine some part but the arena itself is mm-hmm. really nice where uh, hopefully they get the fans out but mm-hmm. that's a nice arena i think capacity yeah. is probably like 14k or something uh like 15.5 oh, yeah enough. i took my notes <laughs> <laughs> you are going um, there i am going there um so that'll be uh, it, those will be two difficult games. I don't think yeah. either of them is unwinnable, to be completely honest. I don't and think, I think any that, game is really unwinnable for this record. Yeah, yeah honestly, at this point, if like... They, realistically, if they go, get through these next two games, they could just win out. That's what, yeah, that's that's what true thinking. as well. But I then, mean, yeah. if, they, if they win these next two games, if they split these games, I go, great job, great team. You lost team. one of the last, like, what is this, eight or seven? Well, uh, that's true as well. But, I mean, if you split these games so you win one lose the other yeah you probably look at this team and say you have the road resume to be a top four seed in the tournament four or five like yeah somewhere in that range uh and you have the home resume you've have the net the net will probably love a win on the road in one of these environments yeah don't do anything stupid against one of the other remaining yeah, you don't want to drop teams to like minnesota like the the only other <laughs> oh man they would they could it'll be quad three if they lose on the road at that minnesota. would be that would be like a Rutgers loss last year around this time yeah like that's something that would happen like ron harper would score like 20 but they'd lose yeah but oh, man, assuming they don't totally collapse i think northwestern's a little bit finicky that's like that they are that illinois and um obviously indiana are the only games where i'm like but well, everything besides North, that. Northwestern earlier in January, we only won by three. That's what at, I'm saying. At, on the road, though. With a big uh, shot cam. On, yeah, on that, the road, yeah. I mean, I think, and I don't think they – well, the first half against Penn State was a little rocky. It was a little but, rocky. I'm, I'm actually worried about that one I'm as well a little that. bit. Um, but, I Even mean, though, I, I, guess, I guess there are no fans at, point. at Penn State anyway, so that's not that bad. But Yeah, Penn State. I'm – I'm less worried about Northwestern because that'll be like a it'll be a really good environment because that'll be senior day as well. It'll be the last game of the season, the last one that fans will be able to see at home. So people are going to be excited for that one. Yeah, that one's going to be that game. game. They're always they're always sold out too. Get to to that game early. And and they'll have the the only game they'll have before then is Minnesota on the road, and that's like that's basically your bye week. (laughs) Yeah, even on the Derek Simpson game, he's going to get all the minutes. Oh yeah, I want to see that. Well, yeah, I want I want to see Derek Simpson and Oscar Palmquist play like half of the game again like I they did so. against Minnesota now home. let's yeah. let's talk real quick about Oscar Palmquist um, <laughs> that game against like he came out strong against 
Minnesota oh, yeah. um, last week, mm-hmm. uh, dropping 13. And But this, this game, he – I mean, people. He, Pykele gave him the time that he that. Well, I I will say I think he kind of had to play Palmquist more because because of the uh, because of the Moat Mag injury. Yeah, like he he played Hyatt a lot. Uh, he played slightly smaller lineups, but yeah, it was pretty. Do you small think? Lineup. Do you think that? Do you think that Palmquist? Now I'm just playing devil's advocate, but do you think Palmquist just had like one good game and then just kind of pack it up and? Well, they we'll have see. a lot of. With what we were talking about, they have a lot of options where he could get a, mm-hmm. a couple minutes in there for a while. Because if after these two games, you get Nebraska, Wisconsin, Michigan, who mm-hmm. slightly less lesser opponents. Well. Like you can, like you don't have to push Mag to come back quick enough. You mm-hmm. have that time. And I can't imagine he's not going to be there tomorrow, and he might, probably won't be there for Illinois, available for Illinois after that. Like he, rest them up. You're going to need them. Yeah, the br- bring them back for senior day. And yeah, bring them back for senior day. Like it, get, get realistically, get they could play with, for the big. They could play without him for yeah. a decent amount of time. Yeah, I, I would feel more concerned because you'll point need about him, getting him back Big Ten in tournament for the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, Big yeah. Ten tournament, and then you know, obviously, eventually mm-hmm. March Madness. Yeah, uh, and I mean that's kind of my thing. I, I mean, I heard uh, Patrick McCaffrey talking about it at the oh. press conference after the Iowa game where he was like, yeah, I've been out for a couple of weeks and like th- 13 minutes, it felt like 40 <laughs> out yeah. there. Like, and you I can't push sure it. That, you yeah. And I, I want to make sure that, well, more than that, I want to make sure that Mag is. With how often they play? Three, four days? Well, yeah. And I, I want to make sure Mag is like fine back into the swing of things I, I is think... more of what I'm saying where I, I, I want him to be in his rhythm by the time yeah. we get to the Big Ten tournament, I don't think he'll play until then. Because from how cryptic Pico is being, mm-hmm. it's gonna be signi- It's gonna be long. That's what I, I feel, feel like. like. It they're, might gonna be they're gonna time, they're yeah. gonna leave him out for a That's while. That's why I yeah. feel like they're just gonna arrest him, and then like maybe like Minnesota, like some garbage time, they'll throw him in there to try to like yeah. recover, kind of like see how he feels in yeah. gameplay. But I mean, I, that's what I'm that's what honestly, I'm kind of saying is like to, before the Big Ten tournament. I think we have to think about the fact that listen, we're like basically a month away from like the Big Ten tournament now, March Madness. You have to consider the fact that with Mag. I don't know. I get weird vibes from it all. Like it just seems weird given how secretive they've been. I feel like it's pretty. Yeah, bad. you don't want to know because other other teams also like to go. Yeah, for it. like if he has like a knee injury, mm-hmm. oh yeah, get yeah, in yeah. there. Like we we won't know if he's playing until the day that he plays. There was yeah. a game last year where uh, I think uh, it was like Geo had an illness and we didn't know if he was playing. Like so, like right before probably. I, I, think I, I, I asked. I asked his roommate uh, Amir. Oh, yeah, he did. He, and, yeah. and Amir, that's a, that's Amir, Amir told right there. us he was playing, and then he didn't play. Bruh. Um, <laughs> yeah, we so did have that. Like, so that's how like source. Yeah, that that's how that's how secretive that ends up being. Um, so I, I I'm guessing that if I had to, I mean, my hope I guess would be that he would play one or both of the final two regular season games. And then flow into the tournament season on at least a decent rhythm. Yeah, it still is a month away, so. Yeah, and that's the thing. It is a month away. There are going to be a ton of games until then. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, see what the trainers feels. can do. So. I feel like I feel like we have to really accept how good this season's been. Like last, it's really good. Like, yeah. Last year we were struggling every I, every win. After I, I'm it, glad to like during crew all mm-hmm. week. It's like they have to win this game or they're not going to mm-hmm. make it to the tournament. Yeah, I'm glad this year. That and I'm every not loss was devastating. I'm not obsessively tracking every bracketologist's bubble this year, where it's like, are we on the good side? Are we on the bad side? It's like, 
this year we're like maybe we'll be goodness. a five seed and maybe we'll be a six seed like it's like that feels lowest. so good I <laughs> was, last year it was rough every yeah. night line you would be mm-hmm. be like either it's a devastating loss where they're like oh man i don't know mm-hmm. we, there would be pr- our projections for the rest of the season we have to win every single one mm-hmm. of these games yeah now if they drop like two fine yeah like i was in high school last year so i wasn't obviously a rikers fan but i remember like i was always interested in rikers basketball and i was also interested in like seeing hall and stuff and i was like man rikers stinks <laughs> like they are so inconsistent and i coming into the season i was like they're gonna be even worse this year but i don't mm-hmm. know what happened man that's just the magic of pico but all these guys are playing their roles to absolute perfection mm-hmm. and everybody it's just like a well-oiled machine and they're chugging along the big 10 train right yeah. now mm-hmm. i really have to i have to agree with you there cuz i know me and dennis were talking about this on nightline uh, after the game last week against minnesota and we were saying that people were they were not expecting this team to be, they were be like awful. this because of both um, Ron and Geo, Ron yeah. and Geo leaving. So people are like, "Oh man, who's gonna really step up?" I mean, Cliff can do Cliff things, but he's not gonna lead us to, yeah, you know, those games. So I think, I who, in your guys' opinion, who do you think has stepped up the most? I personally, I, don't even I think, think it's a offensive thing. It's do you like think it's every just single a, person got better at defense? Team, mm. like a it, team it, effort. Yeah, like they would not be in the position. Obviously, you don't have like a huge standout in scoring. Like I mean, every if, single I, game. if I had to pick somebody, it's probably Paul That's because yeah. the defense yeah, has been a standout and has led them to a ton of games. Where the fact won that they're top five in the country like the whole time mm-hmm. that helps them significantly because there are games where their offense and, is not hitting. And, and but I they guess, hold people. I, under I guess their where average. I'm going with that is that when the game is close, Paul takes over. That has happened yeah. a couple times. It happened against Purdue. It happened against Northwestern. It happened, happened against at, Michigan State. Yeah. Paul takes over in these close games, and that's what I think is the difference maker because. Defense can do a lot for you, yeah. but if Throughout the game the most is close, at the end, you need to like, score. At the end, you need like the last two minutes. 20, you need yeah, score. and if you win by twenty points, you win by twenty points. That is fantastic. But sometimes you will not win by twenty points, and you just need buckets towards yeah. the end of the game. And Paul and he, has been great at and Michigan that. State down the stretch. I was mm-hmm. tremendous stuff. Just yeah. any bucket mm-hmm. he wanted, he was getting, and they would they would foul him. They let him right through. They couldn't do anything. Hey, mm-hmm. Jack, Jack, yeah, to your question, I completely agree with that. It's like Christian. Obviously, it is the correct answer to say the defense, but that's also the boring answer. Because mm-hmm. that, that's what you kind of expect <laughs> from a Michael yeah. team. Like, no, no, you're completely right. But I think, honestly, what this team has needed is a closer. You know, you need that reliever to go out in the ninth inning and just go absolutely to town. You know, just keep raking in the strikes. And I think that we thought it's going to be Cliff. But Cliff's, like, more of just a consistently very solid offensive piece. He's the best offensive player on the team. But then you had Cam for a little bit, and Cam was hitting all these big shots in the big moments. And then in the Northwestern game, he forced one, and you're like, does this guy know how to score any other way? So it was very confusing, and it feels like Paul isn't always on the money offensively game to game to game, but sometimes when there's a big stretch, he's just going to go to town, drive in the lane, get you a bucket, get you a stop, get you another bucket. I think Paul has really become the leader of this team. Like I think if it comes down to it in – the Big Ten tournament or the championship game, like they're not going to go look to Cam in the final seconds for a big shot. I think they're going to try to scheme something so that Paul can like go inside, like because he's just been so efficient at doing that, and it seems like the guys just rally around him. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And with that, we will take a quick break. On the other side, we'll have locks of the week, and we'll talk about Rutgers women with their win yesterday over the Wisconsin Badgers. So be sure to keep it locked. You're listening to The Crew here on WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. 
Facts of the Week here on the Monday Crew on WRSU. Dennis Geisler, Jack Rabenhorst, Joe Henry, Christian Vasquez. Uh, Jack, you go first. You know, guys, it's a uh, it's going to be a crazy week for sports. Uh, this upcoming Sunday, we have Super Bowl 57 featuring the Eagles of Philadelphia and the Chiefs of Kansas City. So, uh, honestly, I'm a South Jersey guy. Um, I'm gonna shout out. Even though I'm a I'm a Bills fan, I'm gonna take my uh, I'm gonna take my Eagles to uh, or take the Eagles to uh, to win it all this year. Even though they are, do you see that stat that they um, teams who are wearing solid jerseys don't win as much as the teams winning uh, wearing white jerseys? I, I love the stats like that. But That's so uh, funny. apparently, so last time the Eagles wore green, they won it all. So we'll see what happens uh, out in Arizona. That's a good stat. I like that a lot. Uh, Christian? Yep. Always a UFC lock this weekend. This of course, UFC of course. 284 out in Perth, Australia. First time they're back there since Luke Rockhold versus Yo Romero for the middleweight title. Now we have two title fights on the card this weekend, headlined by Islam Makashev versus Alexander Volkanovsky for the lightweight title Islam, the current champion, after defeating Charles Oliveira in his last fight, is facing the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world in Alexander Volkanovsky, the featherweight championship. He's moving up to the next division to go for that belt. It's a crazy matchup, not too much publicity on it, which is insane to me because it's the first time in probably a long time in current modern UFC era that the number one and the number two pound-for-pound fighter are fighting each other for the title so that's a huge fight and then the second title fight on that is the featherweight interim championship between Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett but lock this week is a more of a like a logical lock in Islam Makashev winning he's the favorite even though Volkanovski is one of my favorite fighters he's the pick in my heart I want him to win desperately but Islam Makashev is the next Khabib Nurmagomedov so I predict he'll win by however he wants. All right, uh, Joe. Yeah, so obviously Super Bowl week, as Jack was saying, I think that the um, Eagles are going to get smoked just because I hate them. Wow. No, nah, I don't <laughs> think they're going to get smoked, but I just hate them. But I think my bet is going to be um, – so I don't know if you guys remember, but in the Super Bowl where Patrick Mahomes played the uh, San Francisco 49ers, he threw two interceptions. And the same thing in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. The bet is for Patrick Mahomes over. I'm going to take the over on Patrick Mahomes' interceptions. It's at 0.5 right now. Um, I'm going to take the over on that. I would put a lot of money on that, honestly, just because in those bigger. Is like, the, is there, do you have the line? Yeah, what's the line on that? Minus 118. Okay. So I'm going to take the over on that. All right. By a lot. Now, this spread, the no, spread for bad. the Super Bowl is uh, it's only one and a half points. Either way, so I mean, mm-hmm. it's a pretty low margin. That for, is a really low margin for a game of this caliber. Um, both the first time the Kelsey boys, That's first time uh, two brothers have been on opposing teams in the Super Bowl, uh, which is going to be That's crazy. A weird um, stat. There's another weird stat for you. Um, I think it's the first time that a franchise's uh, all-time winningest coach is playing against that franchise. Uh, playing against the, the franchise, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, if that was where you were going to go. Fans of both Kansas City and Philadelphia, both I saw on, I think it was CBS or something like that, they were signing a petition to have 
Mama Kelsey. Mama Kelsey do the coin toss. I saw that actually. With That's pretty funny. two of her, with both of her sons as out there in the out she there in had, the center. She had the best response to it though. She was on Twitter and she was like, honestly. There's a lot of legends in this game that have like bled and sweat on this field. I don't That's think I'm true. deserving of doing the corn toss. I was like, "What a great woman! Mm-hmm. Wow. What a great woman!" Very, to say very that. humble. Very Honestly, humble, yeah. still have her do it. I don't care. Have her do <laughs> I it. I still think it's fun. <laughs> it's but. Just against her wishes completely and just put yeah. it out there. And it was it Jason Kelsey's wife is about to like have a baby at the Super Bowl mm-hmm. during cool. during the game during the game. You know, <laughs> the best thing about that that thing is that they both they have a podcast together. Yeah, and they've done it every so week of the NFL season. Mm-hmm. And they interviewed their dad this week to talk about the oh, Super that's Bowl. Funny. That's funny. I think really they were funny. like, "Dad, who do you think they've they've interviewed Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes this season?" Oh, that's that's good. It's I think so they perfect. had Gronk on. Like, they it's did such a popular done. podcast. The fact I, that they find the time to do it, mm-hmm. it's so good. Well, Dennis, what do you? Lot of anticipation. What's your pick? On the in the Super Bowl? Just no, for just your, what's your oh, lock for my lock of the lock? week? Oh, my, it's the segment. <laughs> well, yeah, I was like, you're you, a senior. You, what are you doing? You were like, hey, uh, you you went like right off of that because I, I was gonna go completely different page and go on NBA tonight. Oh, uh, okay. Let's Cav, hear it. Cavs at Wizards. Uh, the Wizards are missing Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma, so they're gonna be awful. Uh, Cavs oh. are only favored by three. I'm definitely taking the Cavs minus three tonight. Oh uh, I think they will just, and they don't have Ricky Rubio, but they're definitely good enough to beat the Wizards without Beal or Kuzma. So yeah, I'm definitely team? going to take the Cavs in front of a probably electric crowd at Capital One Arena. Oh yeah, they, as we know it to be. Up. They'll be fired up. At oh Capital yeah, they're Arena. they're always fired up at Capital One. I've seen a couple games there. It's 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 a, I, it's I a nice place, a but yeah. The speakers were awful. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff awful about Capital One <laughs> Arena, but regardless, uh, we'll shift gears now. Rutgers women's hoops with a win yesterday over the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, we will now play our press conference from yesterday, where Kokuis Washington talks about the big win. So listen now. This game was a shootout all the way. Thirteen times the lead change. Can you talk about what it means to win such a shootout game on a, such a meaningful day? Yeah, um, this game was was really important for us. Um, you know, we talked about before the game about uh, we've always talked about doing things and that are bigger than yourself. And so today was a perfect opportunity for us to come out and and play for something besides just our own personal joy of winning and competing and all that, but playing for all the survivors, the healthcare heroes that were in the house. Um, that was important for us. And the fact that it was an exciting game to watch for the fans uh, made it even a, a, a bigger plus for us. Another double-double today, 16 and 11, you led the team in points. What does that mean to you? What was that X factor today that really helped you? situations in the game and the game was really close throughout the game so I just had to do what I had to do just for us to pull out this win like we did this afternoon. China can you describe what it was like to play in that atmosphere it was a great crowd you guys had today. It was it was a lot of just like adrenaline running through my body. It was just excitement, like I was excited, and then it's a big crowd like that just cheering us on and hyping um my team up and I like it was just great and it really just brought a lot of confidence within each other on and it brought it on the court. It was really good. Do you think it was a good game to prove to fans why they should keep coming back for Rutgers women? Yes, yes. And uh, coach, how important were those free throws? Oh. 
they were critical. Uh, last thing we talked about in the locker room after the game was, you know, the, the, the difference in the game was our ability to go down and, and knock those free throws down um, the last two, three minutes of the game um, when, we, when we got in the bonus. And um, I think our last game against Penn State, we had an opportunity, um, if I remember correctly, we had an opportunity to probably win the game in regulation had we knocked down more of our free throws. Um, so we didn't want to put this game in, in that chance of having to go into overtime. And I thought the, 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 girl, the ladies were very focused and went to the free throw line and, and knocked them down. Coach, uh, just a couple other players. Can you talk about Awa today? Just a yeah. tremendous uh, uh, performance. 15 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. You know, Kayleen with 13, uh, Cassandra with 14. Mm -hmm. I really thought uh, points in the paint, you know, saying getting out on the fast break and said you hit your free throws yeah. down the stretch. But just talk about, uh, especially Awa, I thought she really yeah. gave you a great spark there in the second quarter and definitely uh, the fourth quarter as well. Yeah, you know, you're right. It was a, it was a tremendous team effort. Um, all, all, all along the way, you know, I thought Abby came in the game and she hit two big threes, um, and she got another big rebound. Again, it's not huge stats, but just the timing um, of her of her contribution was big. You know, this is a game for Iowa um, as a quasi point guard, where I thought her ability to kind of get us in the flow of things was was really good. She did a great job of finding her teammates and also, you know, balancing her attacking and her finding, you know, her her opportunities to score as well. So um, we're 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 starting to um, I know it's February, but we're we're starting to really learn each other and, and learn how we can support each other and make each other better. Um, and that's something that we're really kind of going into as we as we round out the season, which is a, a good time for that to happen in my opinion. Hey, defensively, you forced uh, Wisconsin to, I think, 21 turnovers. Talk about mm -hmm. that as well. I mean, especially that fourth quarter. I mean, they were up five going into that final frame, Coach. But again, you know, you guys are able to turn around. Can you talk about that as well? Uh, the defense improved throughout the night. I'll, I'll say that. Um, we were staunch when we needed to be down the stretch. But, uh, you know. Uh, we'll we'll just leave it at that. Uh, just uh, talk about you and Cassandra in the paint, be able to get those uh, follow-up shots there as well, grab those rebounds. I thought that was key. Again, you know, I said with another double-double, but just uh, talk about that aggressiveness, you know, between you and Cassandra, especially there. Me and KB are learning, like, just game by game to play together and learning that we can be a threat amongst teams um, in the Big Ten or just anybody. So we're learning to play together. She's my right-hand man. She's always there. I'm always there. Honestly, like, she's just a great teammate. Hey, Coach, a great team win. Um, seeing Wisconsin averaging, or four players averaging well over double-digit double, double digit scoring throughout the season, four of your own players scored over double digits. Was this the point of attack to keep um, driving to the paint, causing fouls on Wisconsin? One of their players got fouled out. Was, was that kind of like the point of attack going into this? Um, yeah, we, we definitely wanted to attack them. You know, one of our strengths we feel is when our team is going downhill and we're, and we're attacking. Um, you know, they've got a great uh, uh, freshman in Sarah Williams, and we know we had, we, had to, we had to attack her. We couldn't let her rest on, on the defensive end of the floor. And I thought China and KB did a great job of making her work on both ends. Um, so that was important to us to, you know, we, we've, we've been doing a pretty good job of getting paint, paint points. Um, and we wanted to keep that going.
Coach, you've shot your free throws pretty well all season. How much do you practice those during Every the day. Year? A lot. Every day. Every. <laughs> Every single day. Every single day. Every day. Before practice and after practice, we're shooting free throws. And that's why we like so comfortable on the line for the most part. You've had a good year this year, too, Shia. The free throw line, is that a big reason why, the practice? Uh, practicing my free throws. Coach texts me and says, shoot 50 free throws before practice, shoot 50 free throws before, after practice. Like, it's just, it's a routine. And like, whenever you do it constantly, you become, it's like second nature to you whenever you played in the game. Or, excuse me, shoot them in the game. So, yeah. Can I ask one more question about the defense down the stretch? It yes. looked good. You got some turnovers. <laughs> What'd you like about it? Um. You know, honestly, I like that we made some adjustments defensively and did some things that we hadn't really done a lot all year, and the team executed it. And I thought that was um, our ability to lock in and make those adjustments on how we were defending some of the screen action, how we were def defending some of the, the cutting action. Um, to be able to be locked in and, and do those things kind of on the fly is a, a testament to the growth that this team has had over the course of the season and that we were able to do that because that's something that we could not do earlier in the season was was make the kind of adjustments that we hadn't practiced before. So that's the one thing that I was really pleased with was that growth that I saw on the team tonight. Uh, for China, what was it like for each of you to walk out with a cancer survivor? That was a pretty cool addition to the starting lineups. Uh, personally, I'm an emotional person. So like, I was kind of emotional because like just to witness someone so strong and that has been through so much, but still standing 10 toes and just walking with me out there during the starting lineup, that was just a moment that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Did that kind of fuel you guys today? It did fuel you? us. It just made us want to work harder and just want to win the game for those survivors because they deserve it. They deserve everything. And Coach, what was it like for you to see the sort of atmosphere in the crowd you had today? Uh, it was it was fun. You know, it was for me, it was great for them. You know, I'm glad our team is um, coming out and playing with the kind of effort and determination that resonates with this community. And so they're supporting the effort that they see, um, hopefully the fun that they see we have um, out there playing. You know, we laugh and, and smile and um, I have a blast. I am enjoying playing in front of these the crowds that we have and hopefully they continue um, to come out and, and enjoy a great, uh, great afternoon or evening of watching, you know, Rutgers give their all for this community. Where do you think you've seen the most growth in China's game this season? Oh, the most growth, her free throws, obviously. I mean, no offense, but she shot in the 30s last year and now she's like 76, 77%. So um, I don't even flinch when she got like, I expect her to make her free throws now. Um, so I think that's probably the, the biggest statistical growth, but the emotional growth in terms of she's so, um, I can count on her, you know, she's so consistent. I know what she's gonna give us every, every game. I know she's gonna battle on defense. She's gonna give us, you know, close to a double-double, if not a double-double every night. And that kind of consistency is remarkable for somebody who hasn't, you know, who hasn't played a ton um, her first two years, but this year, you know, she's been a starter every game. She's been consistent. She fights, um, and it's just great for her to have this experience personally, um, and for me to watch it, watch her growth. One last thing for China: How has that transition been from now? You are one of those main players after two years, not being in that position. It's 
it's some it can be challenging some days um, to be in the position, but I wouldn't want to like take it away. I wouldn't want to like take it back for anything. Like this is something I've been waiting for for like since I came here, and like I'm just really blessed to be in this position. And it just makes me want to work harder and keep going and get better and better every single day, just because I am in the position I am at this moment. All right, that was the press conference for yesterday's game for the Rutgers women's basketball team. Rutgers 73, Wisconsin 67, the final score uh, in the play for K game. Overall, very solid performance for the Scarlet Knights. One of the things that jumped out to me was how balanced the scoring attack was. Kayleen Smichael usually has to carry the team's scoring, but uh, yesterday she was actually the fourth leading scorer for the team. Cornwell had 16, Sidibe had 15, uh, Brown had 14, and then Smichael had 13. Even in games where we haven't seen Smichael put up a ton of points, it's usually Carter and... No, it was just a pretty balanced scoring attack all the way around for the entire team. Streeter put up a couple of big threes. Uh, everybody on the team shot fairly well, uh, with the exception of Kai Carter, to be honest. But I guess looking f towards the rest of the season, and I mean, Coquise Washington kind of said it herself, this team is still kind of learning each other. Um, where do you think uh, this season goes from here? You know, they're really... they're. They for one, they shot better than the boys on Saturday. So that shout out to the women's team. Um, but just in general, uh, I got, I caught a little bit of it. Just like they, like she said in the interview, it's just like they're trying to they're learning each other. They're really practicing what needs to be practiced, and they're just they're going out. They're really they're trying to win these games uh, over and over again. They haven't really been the best team all year, but that has never stopped them. They keep fighting. They keep going. And um, the, it looks it looks it looks promising on the on the way up. Um, it's always a, it's always a up and down battle with these girls. Um, but in general, though, watching them play is uh, is truly a privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for the rest of the season, they have uh, two road top fifteen games. Pretty unlikely to win. Uh, they've got a home game against Northwestern that probably looks good, a road matchup against Wisconsin that, I mean, they did just beat Wisconsin, albeit at home, but still. Uh, and then two other home games, Purdue at home and Illinois at home, both teams kind of in the middle of the Big Ten table, not really in those that top group of ranked teams, but not uh, towards the bottom either. So the rest of the season could go a couple of different ways for this team but in general if they can get up to six wins on the season then that's a decent benchmark you've shown that you're not the bottom the the, the horrible bottom of the big 10 you've certainly shown that this is a team that can compete and with more players with more depth they can certainly contend next year i think yeah i think this is a massive win for the program uh this is such a young team with the first year head coach I mean, to have to win a game and have Kaylee and Michael be the fourth leading scorer is seemingly unheard of for this team. It's really been a one-woman show all year. But to have uh, these other players step up is really huge for the program. I know Cassandra Brown is somebody we've talked about a bit. Uh, Awa Sidibe, uh, China Cornwell. Just a really good job by the team all around. And, you know, obviously a lot to build on. A lot of players that are young getting developed. I think it's just another promising win for a program that's certainly on the uptick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly, and I mean, we'll see what the rest of the season gives. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm holding out hope that they'll upset Iowa on the road uh, this weekend, where I'll be there. Uh, 
but we'll have to see. I don't think that's especially likely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? Anything can happen. They've competed well against good teams in the past, but regardless, we'll take a quick break. On the other side, we'll have a very short Can't We Just Talk and then Hour 2 here on the WRSU Crew, so keep it locked. Can't we just talk here on the WRSU crew? Monday edition, Dennis Geisler, Jack Ravenhorst, Joe Henry, Christian Vasquez. Joe, how has that weather been? How, how is the weather? <laughs> yeah, I feel like anytime I have a story, everybody's always like, all right, maybe, maybe it'll be interesting because of my past car. I feel like usually it's interesting. I give you credit. Yeah, so I live in my hometown of Bayonne, New Jersey, and um, I commute to school. So, you know, I'm in and out of the car a lot. So on Friday, Friday, I don't have school. Um, my parents' friends were going out of town and they asked me if I could stay over their house because they have a, like a puppy dog, like a young dog. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course, I'll stay at the house, whatever. So I go to the house Friday, make sure the dog's all good and everything. Then my girlfriend lives like two blocks away from that house. So I go to my girlfriend's house and, you know, it's, it was freezing cold that day, literally like five degrees out, whatever, like. And then uh, I tell my girlfriend, I'm like, all right, like I'll walk him because she got the best dog in the world. His name's Benji. I love him. Little pug. But I walk him, right? Takes like 30 minutes. I go back to the house, drop him off. Then I go to the house that I'm staying at. I walk that dog. Another 30 minutes. The next morning, I wake up, walk the dog again, like the dog's house I'm staying at. At this point, my skin is cracking. My face is red. I'm pretty sure I got windburn because I'm spending like an hour and a half outside in this freezing cold weather. It's 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 awful. Then I go to WRSU with Jake Maystell to do the prod. Come home. My parents are now out of town. Then I'm walking my own dog, who I never walk, but I'm walking her. So it's another walk. Then I see my girlfriend again. I walk her dog again. I wake up the next morning, walk my dog again. My parents get home. Guys, my, my knuckles, my, my skin is dried out. You were I'm, doing a lot of dog walking. I'm officially over the past tapped days, out. Aren't you? And yeah. I didn't make any profit over the weekend. Nothing. Really sad. Really I'm, sad. I'm my skin is dry. I, I have like these little like weird cracks on my face now. Mm. I feel like my body just gave up. And you know what the worst thing was, Dennis? The next day, it yeah. was 50 degrees. Yeah, no, today so was nice. Ba- no, back-to-back days, literally mm-hmm. like 20 degrees out. I'm putting Vaseline on my face just trying to keep the moisture in. Mm-hmm. Then the next day, it's beautiful out. Yeah. The weather's gorgeous. And you've got no dogs to walk. How many How many walks did I go on? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six dog walks. You know, mm-hmm. who, you know, who, you know who wasn't walking their dog? Who? People in New Hampshire. Uh, New Hampshire actually... Uh, set a new uh, American record for a wind chill of minus 108 degrees wow. Fahrenheit. That, that sounds impossible. Eight, that sounds impossible. I, it's CNN, Fox News, uh, it's up next to Vermont. Fox News, I'm sure Carm knows about that. The, uh, Regardless, 108? That feels minus abs- Minus 108. Negative 108. Yep. That's, that, that is absurd. It, I, I cannot comprehend They had that. a state of emergency in which you I would had hope so. to... Don't go outside. Yeah, stay inside. It, is, it was a... Uh, it was death... They called it deathly chill. I still want to walk the dogs. Uh, 
They need, they need so people in New Hampshire <laughs> were having their. You would have uh, had a, some frozen pump. Right yeah, you would have had some frozen dogs out there. Um, I don't. It, but it, altogether, though, how do you think you survive in conditions you like that? You don't. You do not. You, can, I mean, you can't beat it. Nah, you, 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 can't you beat straight it. up don't. Like, I'm actually. never going to New Hampshire. Like your water pipes freeze. They they can't not. My freeze. pipes froze, and it was like 20 degrees out. These people in New Hampshire, their pipes probably, their house probably froze. The ha- it was like it an ice How long do you think it takes to turn on their car? Like after it's been sitting. I don't, I don't think, think it, it turns on for a long I time. Think, I think you got to restart the engine. Yeah, you get, get a new car. <laughs> you got to get a new car. Well, you've officially made me afraid of New Hampshire. With that, we'll <laughs> yep. take a quick break. <laughs> on the other side, we'll have a couple of interviews with members of the Rutgers men's lacrosse team after their home opener on Saturday. So keep it locked here for hour two on the WRSU crew right here on WRSU FM, New Brunswick.